It's November 20th, 2023 time for episode 245 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B, the Monday edition of the podcast. It's Thanksgiving week, and thank you for all who listen. I really am grateful for you listening to uh, rating the podcast uh, tuning in weekly, daily, whenever you tune in. But thank you so much for your support all these all, for all these many of years as we are getting close to the end of season four and we get to start season five really soon in January. But until that moment, we'll continue to press on. We'll go to the NFL Sunday, your week 11 winners, the Giants, the Browns, the Texans, Jaguars, Dolphins, Cowboys, Lions, Packers, 49ers, Bills, Rams, and Broncos. Monday Night Football, Eagles at Chiefs, 815, ESPN, ABC, and ESPN+. Plus. So, also remember that we've got a huge NFL slate for Thursday. So let's start uh, Thursday and Friday, actually. I forgot about Friday, which for me, I think that's new. I don't recall the NFL doing a Friday game last year because, you know, there's all the college football that starts Thursday into Friday and, of course, through the weekend. But let's go through the slate for the NFL. Thursday, Packers at Lions, the traditional matchup, 1230 on Fox. So I think Fox is starting their uh, coverage of the, uh, their pregame coverage, I think, around 1030 in the morning. So have fun with that. Uh, Commanders at Cowboys, another traditional matchup that doesn't happen all the time on Thanksgiving, but 430 CBS. And then the nightcap, 820 NBC, 49ers at Seahawks. Friday, the Dolphins visit the Jets. That game is on Prime at 3 p.m. Notable games for Week 12, Sunday. Steelers at Bengals, 1 p.m. on CBS. Jaguars at Texans, 1 p.m. CBS. Browns at, at Broncos, 405 on Fox. And Bills at Eagles, 425 on CBS. Let's move over to college basketball. So this is kind of more of a heavy, more so college basketball and definitely heavy college football show. As we talked about last week, you're getting all your rivalry picks this uh, today. Um, not planning to record anymore this week. <laughs> Again, it's Thanksgiving and, you know, like you, I got things to do. But anyway, let's get to the college basketball. So, uh, for as we said, for the weekend, the men didn't really have a lot of notable matchups, but there were uh, a few ups. There's one big upset. UNC Greensboro over number 14, Arkansas, 78-72 on Friday night. Also on Friday, number 21, Villanova, big over Maryland, 57 to 40. And the word on the street here is Maryland men's basketball not going to be as good as they were last year. So, I mean, you know, again, folks were highly critical of the move to hire, hire Kevin Willard. They had a great season last year. This year, I mean, again, anything could happen. I mean, it's not looking good to start, but again, Kevin Willard, as I've said before, I'm not a Maryland fan. I don't have a dog in a fight, but I like the hire. And, and of course, with the performance last year, prove me right. I mean, again, I don't say it often, but, you know, all the Maryland fans on social media complaining, I'm going, look, just because this guy isn't perennially taking teams to the final four and this, that and the third, you get a good coach. You get the good coach. You recruit well. You put a team together. I mean, look, FAU, no, no disrespect to FAU. I mean, FAU went to the Final Four last year, and they are from a, uh, a, a what a non-Power 5 conference. Dusty May's done a great job. Now, FAU's kind of up against it this year. They, they lost uh, on Saturday. I'll give you the score in a second. But, again, it doesn't really matter the coach's pedigree. You've got plenty of coaches who aren't 
like final four coaches every other year. You've got a lot of good coaches out there. You hired the right guy. He's had a good first season. Okay, now this is kind of going to prove how good of a coach he is, how good he can, how far he can take this team by, you know, putting the pieces together. So we'll see how it goes. But Maryland loses to Villanova. It was pretty ugly at the half from what I understand. Um, Speaking of Florida Atlantic, they lose to Bryant 61-52 on Saturday. For the men, today, the Maui Invitational begins. So we got about four games starting at 2.30 ESPN2, number seven, Tennessee versus Syracuse. Uh, 5 p.m., same channel, number two, Purdue versus number 11, Gonzaga. That would be a great game. 9 p.m., ESPNU, number one, Kansas versus the host Chaminade. And then 11.30, kind of Pac-12 after darkish. UCLA takes on number four, Marquette. That game's ESPN2. From Madison Square Garden also today, we got number five, UConn versus number 19, Texas in the the Sattva Empire Classic, Um, ESPNU, 7 o'clock. The battle for Atlantis, number of ranked teams in that that, game, that will start on Wednesday. On the ladies' side, today, the battle for Atlantis. You got Michigan versus number 23, Ole Miss. That game's noon ESPN2. Thursday, the Cancun Challenge. So a lot of teams in that. I think LSU's playing in that win. Um, I think LSU. I'm, no, I'm sorry. This is the Cayman Islands Classic. We'll get that in a second. Uh, Thursday, the Cancun Challenge, number 20, Maryland versus number 12, 24, Washington State. Maryland, the women's side, they've kind of been taking their lumps a little bit early as well. But again, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that because we're talking about Brenda Freeze. Brenda Freeze has her teams ready at tournament time. I'm not, you know, we'll see how they play, how they look in the Big Ten and Big Ten play. But I'm thinking that right now they're having a rough uh, out of conference stretch right now. But we'll see how it goes once they get through um, their tournament play here uh, in these uh, holiday tournaments. Um, the Fort Myers tip-off starts on Thursday. So Cancun Challenge is Thursday. Fort Myers tip-off is Thursday, number 15, Tennessee, versus number 18, Indiana. Now the Cayman Islands Classic, that is Friday. One big matchup, number eight, UConn, versus number three, UCLA. And mind you that these rankings are the week two rankings. So the week three polls have not dropped yet. And as I'm recording, I'm thinking, well, I can switch up and do the polls a little bit later if they drop. But right now, the polls probably aren't going to drop for another three hours. So we'll just have to go through the polls next week. Although I will say we remember Iowa lost. Iowa's going to drop. I suspect, if I remember correctly, behind them is UCLA. Yeah, UCLA's three, Utah's four, Colorado's five. If it were me, I would push Utah, I'm sorry, UCLA up to two. I would push Colorado to three and Utah four, if it were me. But again, this is why I don't vote, because they don't care what I think. Anyway, Saturday, the Paradise Jam. Number five, Colorado, speaking of the Buffaloes, will take on number 14, NC State. Uh, Back to the Fort Myers tip-off on Saturday. Number 15, Tennessee, will take on number 25, Oklahoma. Watched Oklahoma play Virginia yesterday. First off, that team, man, they can shoot. They are a shooting team. They push tempo. So uh, head coach Jenny Baranchik and uh, Coach Coach Mox from UVA, they went at each other. Uh, they uh, not went at each other. They played each other when they were both in the Missouri Valley Conference. So uh, Coach Mox was at Missouri State, and Jenny Baranchik was at Drake, if I recall correctly. Drake! And so um, both styles of their basketball are similar. They like to get at you push pace, push tempo, play good defense. Oklahoma push pace, 
Um, they shot three-pointer very well. Virginia, on the other hand, Virginia, here's a team that I think that once they put the pieces together, they're slowly getting personnel back. So I think Sam Brunel played in her second game. Paris Clark is in her first game yesterday. Um, and I believe Caden Lawson played in her first game. So they've still got some players that are still trying to get their legs under them. They shot one for 22 from the three-point line. And again, I think for Oklahoma, that was by design. They wanted to limit Virginia's paint touches because Cameron Taylor can get it in the paint. Um, Jillian Brown, who I really like her game. She's 5'11", combo guard. They call her combo guard these days. I mean, I mean, when I played, she'd be a small forward. But nevertheless, nevertheless, Brown, she can rebound. She can shoot the three. She can push pace. She does so many things for this team. Right now, she is, to me, the spark plug of this team right now, kind of as they've been working through their personnel issues. So now that the personnel are slowly coming back, so the only person I think that hasn't seen significant action since injury is Mira McLean, and they put up an interesting stat um, during the game that Virginia's record has been abysmal since Mira McLean Mira McLean's uh, knee injury, and yeah, I do find that a bit coincidental, and. You know, again, another super dynamic player. So Mira McLean's about, I think her and Brown are about the same height. But McLean is such an amazing athlete. She can jump out the gym. She gets rebounds. She can shoot. She does a little bit of everything, too. So I think her coming back, also trying to get all the pieces to flow together, the lineups, you know, Coach Mox isn't one to basically say, here's my starting five. She's like, here's the starting five who I think have earned it and also give us the best chance to start off the game. So I don't think she has a really set starting five from the way I understand how she does things. So it's just a matter of figuring out, number one, who's hot, number two, who's ready, because at the same time, too, you're still dealing with players trying to get back from injury. So with all those pieces together, you know, a poor shooting performance from the three-point line, I think that's very uncharacteristic of this Virginia team. They can shoot threes. Again, you know, Sam Brunel, someone who can shoot threes. Jillian Brown can shoot threes. Um, you know, they've got a number of three-point shooters. And, you know, Cameron Taylor, she's worked on her three-point shot. She can step out and hit some. They encourage their uh, second-year point guard, Yonta Vaughn, to hit some some threes so to work on a three-point shot. So they've got a lot of three-point shooters. One for 22, I think, was kind of, I think, the timing to kind of push Virginia behind the three-point line. I think that's was part of the game plan and it worked. Um, so again, you, as we know, the three, you, sh- you hit the threes, then you got extended defense and you get what you want by hitting the paint. By not hitting threes, they were really clogging the paint and making Virginia's life difficult and keeping you know them out of the paint. Although if I recall correctly, I didn't look at the, the stat sheet, I think Virginia slightly out-rebounded Oklahoma or it was pretty close, the numbers, but they, they managed to get rebounds But the other piece of this is Oklahoma turned the ball over quite a bit. I think at one point, I think it was like six to three turnovers. And I think Oklahoma was turning the ball over a lot. But Virginia just couldn't capitalize. The other piece was shot selection. So you get on the break and someone just decides to go to the hoop and try to do some acrobatic shot or, you know, try to, you know, fill the lanes, find the open person and you'll take a shot maybe draw a foul. So again, there were a lot of things that were just off about Virginia's performance yesterday, but I'm encouraged by the fact that 
their personnel will be coming back. They're going to get all the pieces together. Um, now they got LSU coming up. They're going to play. Virginia's going to play in the Cayman Islands Classic. They got LSU. I think they're going to play LSU. That's going to be very interesting. Here's an LSU team that's looking a little disheveled. They're kind of got some personnel issues of their own. Um, I'll kind of, well, I might as well do it now. Um, no dubs and L's this week, but we're going to have a special uh, current right now edition of L's. And we give one to LSU head coach Kim Mulkey. Um, so uh, Angel Reese did not play in the last game. And I believe she was not with the team. And so she was asked about it. And uh, you know, only thing she said was, well, you know, she's not here. Hope to see her soon. Blah, 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 blah. But the piece that was even more disturbing was, you know, she had you know, what seemed to be congestion or, you know, she was coughing a little bit. And she basically said in so many words, well, you know, I don't know, it's allergies or cold, could be COVID. I don't know. I ain't getting tested. And I'm just like, wow, you want to talk about having all the audacity in an open room with press. And what if you do have COVID? So pretty much you're just infecting everyone and you don't give a crap. But as I tweeted out, Kim Monkey is who we thought she is. So, um, yeah, um, the whole issue with um, Angel Reese and uh, Angel Reese, the rumor is, you know, academics. Um, Angel Reese tweeted out, don't believe everything you read. So we may or may not know the whole story. But my whole thing is whether she's missing or not, you know, the LSU team, we saw what happened with them against Colorado. It was a mess to me. They just did not look in sync offensively. Um I think it was, was it Michaela Williams. She had a big game. I think their second or third game out. Uh, she set the LSU freshman record for scoring, but they depended a lot on her in that game because again, the offense just isn't looking the way it should. And then uh, coach Mulkey also said defensively, they weren't as intense as they needed to be. So LSU's got some pieces to work on. I don't anticipate them losing big again, but Virginia's got a tall task. But again, they've got a lot of pieces they've got to try to reincorporate into their game plan, into their offense in order to, you know, kind of get, get started. So remember, for Virginia, this is their first uh, non-conference loss in a season. You know, so last season they went, what, 11-0, 12-0 non-conference. They started off 2-0. This is the first non-conference loss in the Coast Mox era. It's one you know, I don't think they're going to spend too much time worrying about it. The stat sheet said it all. The game performance said it all. But this team is going to get better. And I think they'll have a bit of a, bit of a better showing in the ACC this year. Not going to win it, but I think they will be much better than they were last year. All right. So when we come back, we'll get into college football. We'll do the AP Top 10. We'll talk about last week's games. Um, we'll try to... Think a little bit about the CFP, how the CFP is going to go down this week. Um, there were some changes in the top 10. And then, of course, it's rivalry week. So we'll give you uh, the week 13 picks. And there's a lot of them. I think there were a lot last year. So there'll be a lot of them this year. And, of course, news and notes from college football. A lot happened over the weekend. And we'll get to it in just a moment.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's get to the college football segment. Week 13 AP Top 10, number one, 61 first place volts. Holding is Georgia. Up one to number two is Ohio State. Down one to number three is Michigan. Up one, up to up one to four is Washington, and down one to five is Florida State. Six through nine all hold. That'd be Oregon at six, Texas seven, Alabama eight, Louisville nine, and then coming into the top ten up a spot is Missouri. Your movers this week, Kansas State moves up four spots to number nineteen. James Madison, we'll talk about them in a minute. They drop six spots to number twenty four. Ends the poll this week, number 20, Iowa, and number 23, Toledo. For Toledo, this is the first time they've been in the poll since 2015. And with the addition of Toledo, there are four teams from non-Power 5 conference current conferences currently in the poll, and I think that's the most that they've seen this season. Out of the poll, North Carolina and Utah, but Utah is number 26 as the top vote-getter this week. So for week 12, my picks, <laughs> I went 11 and 6. It was kind of a hit or miss type of thing. Um, I don't know. I don't want to know if I want to call Harvard Yale a total swing and a miss. I think I went with the more obvious choice. I think Harvard was probably the favorite here. Yale came and surprised them and got a share of the Big Ten. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ivy League title. And I feel like Dartmouth kind of got in on that too. So anyway, I, I think it was at least a two-way split of the Ivy title uh, with the Yale win. Um, for last week's games, a few observations. Good gracious, Colorado went to Pullman and got smashed. And Washington State, to me, played like I felt like they could play all season. Um, now, again, we also have to remember that uh, Colorado's offensive line is not terribly good, and they recently had a three-star offensive lineman who decommitted from them, so he's now going to Missouri. So, again, they're probably going to have to hit the transfer portal to solve their offensive line woes. And in addition to that, Shadur Sanders, he left with an injury. So, again, the, the, the offensive line woes just continue for Colorado and you know they're trying to get at least what she's a what a fifth win so they've got what one more shot at this and they got Utah and mm, I don't know not looking too good for me in my opinion but again you know anything can happen um Maryland gave Michigan a game Michigan a game as I expected but there's two ways you can look at this number one we see that Michigan dropped the spot so now Ohio State is in the two spot Michigan's in the three spot so that'll definitely impact it should impact cfp rankings um you know maryland fans are upset and there's two ways you can look at it number one you guys got bamboozled so your athletic director moves you to a conference where you go we're leaving acc we're gonna get a lot of money for the big 10 okay great but here's the problem unless you got this major influx of talent or some miraculous thing happen where you you know, all these great teams like Ohio State's, the Michigan's, the Penn State's just happen to have terrible seasons. You're not going to win the Big Ten. Now, I gave Maryland some credit to give Michigan a game simply because they've had a pretty good season. Now, again, you shouldn't have lost the Northwestern game. That's another that's a whole nother here nor there. But Maryland fans were feeling some kind of way about that. And I'm going, well, mistakes were made and it happens. Now, what do you do from there? I mean, at least you're going to a bowl. Again, that's probably no consolation. People are thinking, oh, we're good enough to win the Big Ten, and maybe you were. But again, 
uh, as I've said before, you kind of got to win the games you need to win. And then you had opportunity in this game. It just didn't happen. But again, to go toe-to-toe with Michigan and kind of give them the business, um, that says a lot. I think it says the program's moving in the right direction. Now, can you push further in that direction to be in the conversation? It remains to be seen. But as I've said before, Maryland has got to solve the problem of Penn State using the state of Maryland as their personal pipeline to get players. That's the other issue. So much talent leaves the state, and not just Penn State. A lot of talent leaves the state to go to other places. They go to Virginia, North Carolina, West Virginia. You know, so every state has its issue, but it's like there's a lot of talent here, and they've got to keep it here. And like I said, Penn State, I think, is a beneficiary, is and continues to be a beneficiary of a lot of that talent that comes out of the state of Maryland. Um, And then on the other side of this, Michigan takes a hit. I mean, somebody made the point. They go, man, Ohio State would have smashed these guys in the second half. And Michigan struggled. I mean, I think we can kind of say it a little tongue-in-cheek. They struggled. So that hurt them. So they're still in the top four. And I anticipate that the top four of Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington will probably ring true for the CFP. Florida State takes a stumble. Um, You know, Jordan Travis um, he got hurt, so he's what his ankle ankle injury. I mean, really bad. I mean, I saw the replay. I was going, oh, I can't, I can't watch this. This was it was not nice. So you know, all the best to him, speedy recovery. You know, just getting back because you, you you don't want to see that. And that's kind of the one thing that kind of, for lack of a better term, just throws a monkey wrench into their season. That you know, their quarterback, their leader is down and out. He's done. So, you know, so you, you hope for the best for him. Um, App State took down JMU in overtime. We said college game day was in Harrisonburg. Um, I kind of felt maybe that would happen, but I'm thinking App State wasn't really having the best season, um, you know, for the most part. But they're always um, they're always, you know, down down to get it on when it comes to football. So. This is really that wasn't really a terrible surprise. I just saw the score like what overtime. I just jumped and ran and uh, changed the channel just to kind of see how that was going to go. Um, USC looked terrible versus UCLA. So I think USC is officially done. I think, you know, the observations that I was seeing from people like USC has officially given up. Um, You hate to see it. Um, Caleb Williams is probably out of here, which I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he stands to do very well in the NFL. Now, again, the question is, where is he going to go? There's going to be the conversations and people are going to talk. And then there'll be the, well, is he going to, you know, act like I don't want to go to this team. And, you know, I, I doubt he's going to stay in college football. I would be very surprised if he did. But, I mean, you know, Heisman Trophy didn't get the national title. But, I mean, hey, I mean, the guy had a great career. And I think he's going to be a very good pro. Um, Iowa stitched together enough def- enough offense rather to win the Big Ten West. So congratulations, Iowa. I guess congratulations. I mean, what do you win the the trip to the to the Big Ten title game to get slaughtered probably by Ohio State? So hey, it's another great season for Iowa. I- All right, everybody. Before we get to the college football segment, um, got the finally got the basketball top. 25 for both men's and women. So if you haven't figured out, I've kind of had to record this particular episode in stages today because 
although it's the Monday before Thanksgiving, I'm still busy as all get out and some things we got shifted around. But anyway, we'll get it all worked out really soon here. Let's look at the ladies first. South Carolina stays at number one with 36 first place votes, followed by number two, UCLA, up a spot. Up two spots to three is Colorado. Up two spots to four is Stanford. Down three stop. Down three spots to five is Iowa. Up two to six is UConn. Holding at seven is LSU. USC is up two spots to eight. Virginia Tech holds at nine. And tied for 10th are Utah and North Carolina State. So looking at this, this is about how I figured it would go. I feel I figured UCLA deserved to get bumped up. I felt Colorado, as I said, should have last we talked about last show, last time we did the poll, I felt like Colorado should have been higher. So th- three, I think, is appropriate. Um, as I think about it, yes, Stanford for sure, four. I think USC should be a little bit higher. Um, most people probably think they are good where they are. Most people might disagree. I think you, uh, LSU, I'm sorry, USC rather, a lot of letters. USC should probably be, in my opinion, five and drop Iowa down probably. So it'll probably be Iowa, UConn, LSU get dropped a little bit. I think USC should be a little bit higher. And then Tech and Utah and NC State, I think, are about where they need to be. Let's look at the men. So the top nine positions hold in the held in the men's poll. Kansas is still one with 52 first place votes, followed by Purdue with five first place votes. Arizona at three with three first place votes. Marquette fourth. UConn fifth with one first place votes, followed by Houston six, Tennessee seven, Creighton eight, Duke nine. At 10, finishing out the top 10, Miami goes up two spots to number 10. And actually, I didn't do the movers for uh, the women's poll. We'll get back to that in a second. So your biggest movers this week uh, look at like up seven spots. It looks like for the men, looks like it's Colorado up seven spots to 18. The biggest drop this week, Florida Atlantic with that loss, they dropped nine spots to number 19 Uh, out of the poll this week, Villanova and Illinois. Memphis is number 26 uh, in the top vote getter in the men's poll for the ladies. When we go back to this poll, Maryland's out of the poll for the first time in 13 years, but they're number 26 this week. And Creighton is number 22. Biggest movers this week. Kansas State with that big upset over Iowa moves up 10 spots to number 16. And your biggest drop this week, I believe, is Utah. Utah drops six spots to that 10th position where we mentioned they're tied with NC State. All right. So let's get on to back to college basketball. I was at college football, rather. And actually, we got some news and notes that we'll talk about some updates in just a second. But as you know... It is week 13, and we've been talking about this for a while, and it is literally one of my favorite times of the year, and you know what time that is, right? Oh, man. Hey, 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 That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's hate, 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 hate. It's hate week, man. Um, So let's get on with the rivalry picks. So I've got a slew of games. I didn't even get a chance to count them all, so we'll count them up at the end here. So let's start Thursday night from Stark Vegas. Number 13 Ole Miss visits their rivals, the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. For the 120th Egg Bowl, Mississippi State won it last year. Ole Miss are 11-point favorites. I'll take Ole Miss to take the egg back to Oxford. Friday, we got some games on Friday. So as we mentioned, NFL on Friday, but we got some college action. Number 16, Iowa at Nebraska, noon CBS. They'll meet for the 53rd time, I think, for the Heroes Trophy. Okay, not not as exciting, but okay. Um, this game is even. I'll take <laughs> I'll take Iowa. I mean, 
the question is, will Iowa remember, in addition to packing the helmets and the the pads and the shoes, will they remember to pack their offense to go to Nebraska? We'll see, but I'll take Iowa over Nebraska. Now watch Nebraska find a way to win this game because Iowa can't generate any offense. And what will I say? Fire the offensive coordinator. Will it happen? Probably not. But, hey, stranger things have happened. Um, noon ABC, Miami heads to Chestnut Hill to take on Boston College. So if you're an old head like me, Miami Boston College has a certain memory to it. Um, go look it up, kids, on YouTube. But um, a particular Heisman Trophy winner had one of his biggest games of his career against Miami. I mean, again, no skin in the game, no dog in the fight here. But it's just I saw this matchup, and it's not really a rivalry game, but Hey, it's, it's always interesting when these two teams get together, even from a historical standpoint. So with this game, Miami is a nine point favorite. I'll take Miami over B.C. 730 ABC Friday night. Texas Tech heads to Austin to take on number seven, Texas. Texas are two touchdown favorites. I'll take Texas over the Red Raiders. 830 Fox, the last time these two teams will meet for the Northwest Championship it used to be called the Civil War. You know, they decide not to call it that anymore, whatever. But anyway, number 11, Oregon State heads to Eugene to take on sixth-ranked Oregon. This game, Oregon is a two-touchdown favor. I'll take Oregon closer than 14. I think the last time for a while these two teams will meet, I think it'll be uh, it'll, it'll be drama, but I think Oregon pulls this one out in a close one. And I think Oregon will be, I think it looks like Oregon-Washington for the Pac-12 title, which I figure it would be a rematch. So it's going to be fireworks. But Oregon's got to get past their arch rivals, the Beavers. Let's move over to Saturday. Here's where it gets real, ladies and gentlemen. On Saturday, noon on Fox, the big noon kickoff. I'm I'm sure they're going to be in Ann Arbor for number two, Ohio State, visiting number three, Michigan. Get this. Michigan's a four-point favorite. This is the first time in five years Michigan has been the favorite over Ohio State. I'm taking the Buckeyes here. I think the Buckeyes got a little more oomph, a little more push. Um, as we talked about, you know, Michigan letting Maryland hang with them. I mean, again, no disrespect to Maryland. They're getting better, but Michigan should have finished the job a little bit more efficiently here. I'm going to take Ohio State over Michigan. Noon ABC, the Commonwealth battle, which I think this is maybe like the 70th meeting. No, wait, probably less than that. They haven't met that many times. But Kentucky uh, heads to Louisville to take on the 10th-ranked Cardinals. Louisville are a touchdown favorite. I'll take Louisville a little bit closer than seven points. I think Kentucky's going to fight in this one. I mean, Kentucky didn't have the season they think we were going to have. I believe they're both eligible, but I think Louisville, I mean, look, Louisville, very impressive offensively. That offense is explosive. I mean, look at what Jeff Brom has done. He's got them in the ACC championship game in his first season. He's definitely ACC coach of the year in my book. Um, and that def- uh, offense is good. Defense is good. I think they're really good on both sides of both sides of the ball. They play complimentary football. I'm going to take Louisville close over Kentucky. Noon ESPN, Texas A&M at number 15 LSU. I'll take the Tigers over uh, the Aggies here. Noon, Big Ten Network. So some of these games, the records aren't that great. But again, it's just the fact that they're playing for these interesting trophies. And and, and there's, you know, there's going to be some chippiness, I'm sure. But um, from Purdue, West Lafayette, Indiana takes on their rivals. Um, two and a half point favorites are Purdue, the 125th meeting for the old Oaken Bucket. Now that's kind of a cool name, you gotta admit. Purdue has a two-game win streak. I'm gonna take Indiana here. It'll probably be about two points or less in this matchup. 
Um, the FCS championship starts on um, this coming Saturday. So I think it's the first round. So they got to go a few weeks before they crown an FCS champion. And we got an interesting game, 2 p.m. ESPN+. Plus. I don't have a line on this game. North Carolina Central, who I believe won the MEAC, will take. Will head to Richmond to take on the Spiders. I don't know, man. I'm going to take NC Central over Richmond to kind of move forward to the next round of the FCS championship. 2 p.m. NBC, the 75th overall meeting. So I think this is the 75th overall meeting and only the 40-some-odd meeting for the actual uh, trophy that's associated with this game, if I remember correctly. Five and five Southern takes on five and five Grambling in the Bayou Classic. I'm going to take Southern. I was going to go with Grambling. Southern and their coach parted ways a few weeks ago. And there's a coach who I think had them in the SWAT championship like two or three seasons ago. Now it's all going to heck. But I don't know. I'm feeling good about Southern. I'll take Southern over Grambling. 330 ACC Network, the Commonwealth Clash, um, 100 and whatever years. I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, Virginia Tech heads to Charlottesville to take on Virginia. Tech are two and a half point favorites. So here's the deal. Virginia, really, all they got to play for is this. They're three and eight. Um, lost a lot of games close this year. So this, the record, I do not believe, and I think most will agree, is not indicative of the team. Um, they showed a lot of fight against Duke at home this past Saturday. Um, definitely the future's bright, but they got to get guys back. Um, you know, there are a lot of injuries on the, on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's kind of where they're hurting a little bit. Tech's run game has shown up. Um, they haven't, Virginia hasn't really given up a lot of big plays uh, on, on the, in the passing game. They give up a lot in the middle of the field, which bothers me a lot. It, it's constant with this team. But with that said, um, of course, I'm rooting for Virginia. I'll, I'm going to take Tech close in this one. But Virginia has the opportunity to, if they win this game, to deny Tech the ability to uh, be bowl eligible. So go who's. All right, 3.30, CBS, the 88 Iron Bowl. Alabama is on a three-game win streak. Number eight, Alabama are 14.5-point favorites. They head to Jordan-Hare. I'll take Alabama over Auburn. 3.30, ESPN, number 17, Arizona at 12.5. So they're the favorites. They head to Tempe. There's two T's. I always lately I've been getting them mixed up. I don't know why. They'll take on Arizona State for the 97th meeting of the Territorial Cup. Arizona holds the cup. Arizona keeps the cup in Tucson. I got Arizona over Arizona State. 330 Big Ten Network, the 117th meeting, the, the crosstown shootout, if you will. Northwestern or crosstown, maybe intersectional. Let's let's go with intersectional, not really crosstown. The intersectional rivalry here. Northwestern will drive two hours down I-57 south to Champaign to take on Illinois. Illinois are five-and-a-half-point favorites. They're going to play for the Land of Lincoln trophy. I'm going to take Northwestern at plus five-and-a-half over Illinois. I mean, this is a team that, you know, they got a new head coach. Um, I believe they're bowl eligible. You know, I think they're just going to push and win this game over Illinois. Uh, 330 Fox Sports 1, the 133rd meeting for Paul Bunyan's Axe. That's Wisconsin, one and a half point favorites, heads to the Twin Cities to take on Minnesota. Minnesota's on a two-game win streak. I think Luke Fickle and the gang, I think they get a little angry. I think they take the Axe back from uh, Minnesota and take it back to uh, Camp Randall. Uh, 330 Big Ten Network, Maryland, one and a half point favorites, head to Rutgers. I'll take Maryland over Rutgers. Might be a little more than one and a half in this one. 
330 ESPN2. James Madison, nine-point favorites. After that loss to App State, they head to Conway, South Carolina, to take on Coastal Carolina. I'll take JMU over Coastal. I think it might be a little more than nine points. Washington State, the Apple Cup, the 115th meeting between the Cougars and the uh, and the Huskies. So Washington, fifth rank, will host this game 4 p.m. on Fox. Washington are 16 and a half point favorites. I will take Washington over Washington State. Again, let's not be fooled. This Washington State win over um, over Colorado was more a function of, you know, they got after them and the offensive line for Colorado is not very good. And then Washington State scored a lot of points, which something I, as I said earlier, something I felt like they should be doing. They just haven't been doing. But I think Washington scores more points than Washington State, which does how you win the game. But I, I like the Huskies over the Cougars. Let's go to the 7 p.m. slate. Got three more games. Amazing. Um, number four, Florida State, six and a half point favorites. Head to, was it Steve Spurrier? Uh, what, Steve Spurrier, Ben Hill, Griffin Stadium, and Florida Field in Gainesville to take on Florida. Um, the 67th Sunshine Showdown for the Florida Cup. Florida State won it last year. I got Florida State holding on to the cup. Although, when I saw this game, I saw the line, and then I remembered Jordan Travis. Um, got news on Got an update on him in just a moment. Um, yeah, this might be close. I think Florida State pulls it out. I think it'll be a little closer than six. So six and a half is seven. So I think this might be a little under seven points. I think Florida makes it interesting with uh, Florida State without Jordan Travis. Uh, let's go to 7.30 on ABC. This is an interesting uh, matchup in the primetime. But here we go. Back to downtown Atlanta. Grant Field at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Georgia Tech, the Rambling Wreck, welcome in their rivals. Number one, Georgia, the 117th meeting was a good, clean, old-fashioned hate is the name of their rivalry, which is uh, quite an ironic name coming out of Georgia, but, you know, you take it wherever you want to take it. Georgia's on a five-game win streak, make it six. Georgia are 23-point favorites in this one. I think Tech makes it a little closer, so it's going to be like baby steps here for Tech, but I, I like Georgia in this one. 8 p.m. ACC Network. We end the night a little early here. So, North Carolina, 20th ranked, take the 40-minute drive down I-40 East to Raleigh to take on NC State. Uh, Carolina are two-point favorites. This will be a shootout. I'm going with Carolina kind of weirdly reluctantly, <laughs> but I'll take Carolina um, to end NC State's two-game win streak and the rivalry. So, let's see. What we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 games. So I'll go 10 and 11. <laughs> I'm going to call it down. I'm going to go 10 and 11. But whatever. Hey, it was just fun just trying to pick all these games. And we got a few more to pick before the end of the season. And of course, we'll pick all the interesting bowls. We'll do, we'll do it like we usually do. But we'll uh, get it going a little bit soon, sooner than later. News and notes from college football. So Jordan Travis, so the update, he announced that his college football career is over. Very unfortunate for that young man. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, so talented. And um, ah, damn, this is like, again, such an unfortunate uh, injury. And 
and, you know, and that's just the thing. When every time you go on that field, you just don't know, man. I mean, you play free, you play with confidence, but you know, these things, they happen and you know, it's just, I, damn, I just, there's, there's, there's just no words to describe uh, just my disappointment in hearing that, you know, the severity of the injury and how it's just, you know, ending his career um, from coaching news, Syracuse fires Dino Bayers after eight seasons. So in those eight years, he was 41 and 55. Uh, he was 20 and 41 in conference. Syracuse is currently five and six this season. So they have the opportunity against Wake this coming week to at least get bowl eligible. So Nunzio Campanile will be the interim head coach. He's the tight end coach. So essentially what has been the issue for Syracuse this season and the last and last year is that they've lost six of the last seven this year. And this is the second straight year that they've just had a slide towards the end of the season to end with a losing record. So there has been success with Syracuse. So they've had two winning seasons out of eight. Again, that's not great. One bowl win in the last five years, not great. They went 10 and three in 2018. That same season, they almost upset then third-ranked Clemson, and they beat West Virginia in the bowl game. So Babers uh, came from the came from the MAC. Uh, he was MAC coach of the year. He brought kind of an up-tempo kind of offense to Syracuse, which didn't really work. He made some changes in his offense. He brought in, I think, a, a defensive coordinator to play a three-three-five. Um, so essentially, and then of course they went to the air raid for a little bit, but essentially. The other issue is, like most schools, you have players who are transferring. And with Syracuse, it's weird. You have players transferring that were playing at Syracuse, but they had left there to go somewhere where they probably wouldn't get any playing time. So Syracuse is a tough job, I would assume, geographically. I would assume that because of the lack of success that the program has had over the last number of years, because this – you know, you think about 30, 40 years ago, Syracuse was a very successful program. It hasn't been in quite a while. They've had little pockets of success here and there. But, um, you know, I guess when they go out and look for a new coach, they're going to have to find someone who can essentially reinvigorate the fan base, bring in a new exciting brand of football, just do something to kind of get this program kind of uh, a shot in the arm, if you will. Um, but again, uh, we I kind of figured didn't really want it to happen, but I kind of figured it was probably on the horizon considering that the last two years haven't been that great. So um, that that's the news from Syracuse for Arkansas. Sam Pittman will return out for his fifth season. So this year, Arkansas is four and seven. Um, I think they played a seven, they had a seven to three loss or six, three loss to Mississippi state. And after that game, they fired offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. So, the AD basically feels like, look, you know, not a great year, not the year we wanted. The steps are being taken to push in the right direction. So Sam Pittman gets another year to kind of get Arkansas back on track. But the thing about Pittman, he's such a good recruiter. So now it's the question is, can he kind of put all the pieces together to get Arkansas kind of back on track? I remember a couple seasons ago, Arkansas was burning up and they they hit their stride. Uh, but lately they haven't been so good. Um, as far as rivalries are concerned, Washington and Washington State have agreed to extend the Apple Cup through 2028. So 
We had an L early in the show. That's my dub. Hey, in the world of conference realignment, we're losing rivalries. I think what we're going to continue to see this one with Texas moving to the SEC. Texas, Texas A&M is back, so we get that one back. But the other rivalries like Bedlam and Oregon, Oregon State and things like that because of the conference realignment, um, they're going to go away. Uh, Cal and Stanford will still be intact. They'll both be a member of the ACC, which I'm scratching my head going, how the hell? That, that's still blowing my mind, but we will. That's no big deal. Um, essentially, good for college football, but we give that a dub because we, we like to hear that sort of thing. Uh, last bit of news, Cam Rising. So he will. he's announced he will return to Utah next season for his seventh year. So I believe he started his career at Texas. Uh, he's had a number of injuries. I think he's had a couple medical red shirts and such. Um, but in May, he'll turn 25. And as, as I thought about it, I'm going, man, he's pretty old. But then I forgot uh, Chris Winkie <laughs> was playing quarterback uh, at Florida State in his late 20s and won a Heisman. So, eh, hey, what? What could go wrong? <laughs> but 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 I'm glad to hear that. I mean, it sounds crazy that we got guys in college for seven to eight years. It, it it does sound weird, but COVID really just threw everything into a tailspin. But um, you know, he he kind of deserves it. I mean, um, it was expected that Utah was going to be you know at least I had them back in the Pac-12 championship. But once he went down with that with that. Uh, knee injury. I think he ruptured at least two or three ligaments in his knee. And uh, Kyle Whittingham told him, you know, he had the surgery. He was rehabbing it, but he told him, nah, you're done for the year. Kind of wanted to protect his knee. And and, and you got to appreciate a coach that does that. But uh, he'll come back hopefully better, stronger, and ready to go to lead Utah uh, kind of back into this into this thing next year because what, what, what Utah's going to the Big 12. Right? Yeah, Utah's going to the Big 12. So anyway, wherever Utah will be next year. Because I'm thinking, oh, he'll be in the Pac-12 championship. No, the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore after whenever. So, right. So, yeah. So, Big 12. So, mm, the Big 12 is going to look very interesting next year. I got to go back and uh, look up what is going to be the Big 12 moving forward at the end of this football season. Uh, because it's what BYU and Oklahoma and Utah – Colorado yeah it, yeah it's it's gonna get crazy uh with all this realignment and uh we uh, shit. honestly I should probably do a whole damn show on what all these conferences will look like and I, you know, I'm gonna write that down I might do a show about realignment just okay what will the conferences look like from a football standpoint and then what it look from a basketball standpoint I guarantee you the football side of it is going to be a cluster F I promise you it is going to be a hot cluster of a mess on the football side. Basketball side, no one cares because, you know, you know, F it, we ball. That's, that's probably how all the basketball folks are going to feel about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I believe that is everything I had today, plus all the updates. So, hey, whatever we miss, we'll have to talk about it next week because it'll give us a reason to give you another episode. So I, first of all, wanted to say thank you to all you who listen. I appreciate you. Uh, enjoy your holiday. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much. And this coming from the guy who probably will do both. But anyway, <laughs> I hope you continue to uh, take care of yourself. 
Um, you know, stay protected, stay healthy. Uh, please remember to rate the show. Give me a five star rating if you can. Um, subscribe to the show. Recommend the show. Um, email the show. Emails in the show notes. And until I talk to you on Monday, that will be the plan. Monday or Tuesday next week. Remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.